Hi, everyone. Welcome to Angel Talk, Reflections of an Ambitious Angel Mom. My name is Philip Kerrigan. I'm the executive... Uh, uh, <laughs> He's the executive director of Race for Rowan, and I'm the ambitious angel mom. Philip, say hello to the people. Hello, people. <laughs> gone off the rails oh my gosh thank you very much for oh, saving me there that was great way to way to like you knew my line already nice I job think i know your lines better than i know my <laughs> lines because i don't even have my lines i'm just like i just speak from the heart philip what are your lines yeah i you know i, I i'm feeling pretty good i'm feeling pretty good i uh, feel motivated oh i'll finish it out yeah as you folks know we are the charity that offers financial support and emotional support for those that have lost a child oh my gosh you did it you nailed it you are here on angel talk podcast and we are here to, uh, again, we have Tiffany Evans, Wild Woman of God Evolving. Um, we are going to talk about leading with vulnerability. I don't even need to be here for this. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I'm doing a good job because I've never done this. That was but pretty solid. That was pretty solid. I think, I think people are like, what the hell do you need Philip for? <laughs> <laughs> I need you because you're much smarter than I am. Oh, whatever. No. Uh, we sat down with a, another smart person. She, Tiffany, is a very, very, very smart person. I said it last time. She's wise beyond her years. I feel like she is such an old soul, but she's still got so much spunk and life that she, and life experiences is really where I think not only her book smarts, but her life smarts come in where she's got the whole package. Yeah. She's she's interesting to talk to. Absolutely. Talked to her for a long time and we did. That's Mm -hmm. why we had to tear this up into two parts. Uh, This one's about vulnerability. You you hit the nail on the head. It's about um, that really weird feeling that we all get when we feel like we've failed or we haven't lived up to something or we need to recognize something in ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it's an uncomfortable experience to go through at the beginning. But it certainly, as as Stephanie will tell you, leads to just a better human being. Right. right. I don't think you start healing in your grief journey until you start to let down those walls and show some vulnerability. Yeah. Um, she shares that in her experience, and I've definitely shared that with you guys in the past with my experience. I don't think until you really start to walk through each emotion and feel each step of grief and, and really be vulnerable and share that with people your core group of people, um, then I think you start living your truth and, and finding out who you are and yeah. and healing. Yeah. I think that's when your healing process starts to go. I yeah. think it's all important, like she talks about living her first year in a haze. That time is valuable too because you're already on the journey. But I think when you get out of that haze and um, you can let down the walls and let down the armor yeah. and show your vulnerability and you have the courage to do so, is when you really start making progress and moving yeah. forward. Yeah. So I think that she was so insightful. Yeah. And um, we won't take your time too much longer. No. We're going to turn it back over to Tiffany Evans, leading with vulnerability. I don't even need to be here. Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> so the second thing, so now, like, this is the other one. It kind of, now it makes sense talking about leading with vulnerability, given the first part we talked about how you have to be vulnerable to even acquire courage kind of in the first place. There is no courage without vulnerability. Yeah. That's that's what the science has proven. She she asked, a, which I think is on the Netflix even, yeah. but she asked the room of the most elite of the elite of our military forces who have had multiple deployments, who have fought on the ground, and she led with that. Mm-hmm. What is... 
can any of you give me one circumstance of courage that didn't require vulnerability? And she says, like, it was just silent. And finally, an officer stood up and he was like, three tours, ma'am. There is no courage without vulnerability. Mm. You know, and and vulnerability defined as the emotions we experience during times of risk and emotional exposure. Mm -hmm. So it's uncertainty, risk, those emotions in those moments. And there's no acts of courage where you don't feel that. Mm -hmm. So the... The the main thing that comes with vulnerability, I think anyway, uh, is is a sense of faith. So we should talk about that a little bit. The idea because that is in your title, the mm-hmm. evolving. What is it? Yeah, wild woman of God evolving. Wild woman of God evolving. So the of God part. So there is a little bit of faith that is necessary to be vulnerable. You have to have faith that um, you're going to be okay if you open yourself up. Can you talk a little bit about your faith and uh, how it helps you be vulnerable? Oh man, my my faith. I mean, it, it is who I am. I I don't know if I can talk about it or separate it from myself. It's mm-hmm. the more I know my creator, the more I know myself. And that's the evolving because God for me, I'm God is love. God is truth. And God created me. How do I know me without that? But the thing is is the more you know God, he unfolds. His word unfolds, the revelations unfold. So even if I've read a verse a year ago when I read it now the meaning changes and it gets deeper and it's like the layers get peeled off that's why um with my boys and I the bluebird my little bluebird in my heart (laughs) I call her but we always say we're mermaids because I exist in depths and I have a fear of shallow living and and that's it like there is it's it's a depth and his word, they say it's a living word, but for me, that's truth. It yeah. is because there's so much truth in it. And, and the more you dive into it, it just gets deeper. And I mean, I'm a word nerd anyway, so I can sit on a word for like a week, yeah. but I always go to the Greek because my, the anthropology I'm studying is Greek and I'm learning Greek. Um, but I'm absolutely learning it on my own pace because I'll get, I'll get stuck on a word for a week. Sure. It's like I get to the Greek root and I'm like, oh my gosh. And then I'll go read scripture and the whole meaning changes of everything. Yeah. And yeah. then it just is like this revelation. And I just, I feel like the dude in the meme that has all the pictures on the wall with the hundred red strings yeah, 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 and yeah, he yeah. looks all crazy with the cigarette in his hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but it's, but I feel him, like I feel yeah. that and I'm like worth it. So worth it because yeah. It gives a richness to life and a depth and a meaning. And and that's where I found my values. And that's part of, you know, my two values are freedom and authenticity. And authenticity being defined as self-being. That's mm-hmm. the Greek root, like being myself and freedom defined as unbridled. Mm-hmm. Um, living independent of the good opinion of others. Mm-hmm. M- making the opinion of my maker be the only thing that I'm gauging off of. And living from that place, which is it's a cultivation that's culture is cultivated i'm cultivated as i'm growing that's the evolving part is because i am a wild woman of god but there's room for there's room in that it's not a fixed thing and that i think that's why i have such a hard time with um titles or labels or you know you're a cultural anthropologist or you're a massage therapist or you're a mom or you're a sister it's like yes i'm all those things but i'm like at the core of all of that a wild woman of God encompasses all of those yeah. things, but evolving means it's going to get bigger. There's room for growth. I don't want to box myself in to anything. Would you have described yourself as a faithful person before your loss? I think before my loss, I would have defined myself as a faithful person. Sure. Um, but would God have... <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that's always a big question. Now, my... my uh, 
my mother-in-law, of all people, because I used to love her, she actually was a nun for a time. Oh, wow. I wanted she, to be a nun when I was younger. She she was so No joke, I know. I know. I know. The way you guys yeah. couldn't see her face right now, but the way my Svelto sister just looked at me, knowing my life. Tiffany yeah. is a nun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe for Halloween. I do. No. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, it's oh, true. It's true. It's so true. One of the things that uh, she would always say, she always used to say to me is like, in the future, if they make being Christian a crime, and you were arrested for it, mm-hmm. would you have done enough to be convicted? Would the evidence convict you? And I always found that like, oh, wow, what does that mean? Mm, so then yeah, you dive yeah. into like what it means to be that, yes. what it means to My do My life right there, you just right. described, let's wow. dive in. Okay, so I've actually thought of, I have a whole chapter about faith. Mm-hmm. Um, so faith is a word I've, I've dove deep into because it changed even in, in the writing of it, it changed. Wow. Um, completely what I thought it was. First of all, when people ask me, um, are you a Christian? The first question I ask, which I think is, is the most powerful thing I've gained from anthropology in general and that um, applies to grief as well, is when things trigger me, um, because as an anthropologist, you have to be aware of your own biases, your unconscious biases of who mm-hmm. you are, of the culture you're coming from, because that's how you compare and contrast to other cultures to help to define them. And it's not in a negative way of like, they're different, they're wrong. So the first question I ask people that ask me that is, what what do you think a Christian is? How would you define being a Christian? I would say 70% of the time, and that's being generous, the way they define a Christian, I'm like, that's not what I believe. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what that is, but that's, mm-hmm. that's not where I'm at. So yeah. it really depends on how they define a, a Christian. And faith, faith for me, um, which changed in the writing of, mm-hmm. of the book, was... Faith, I always believe, was something that I needed to have more of, and I felt shame, uh, which is a big shame trigger. If if I didn't believe, if I wasn't being faithful, if I didn't, right. you know, if, if I had more faith, it would happen. If I had more faith, it wouldn't have happened. Um, but actually, biblically, when you dive into it, faith is a fruit of the Spirit. It is not something that we produce. It's mm-hmm. not something that I can even generate. It comes from surrendering to the Spirit and letting—it it is a fruit of the Spirit. So it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit within you. It's a fruit of surrender, and it's a fruit that is produced from abiding under God. It isn't something that I even have the ability or the capacity to create. Mm-hmm. So I think the question for me there would be more— um, would you say you surrendered? Like, mm-hmm. are you surrendered? Did you surrender then? No. Yeah. Like, yeah. I tried to run the show of my own right. life. I right. was the I was the creator of my destiny, and mm-hmm. um, really, my life shifted and changed when I surrendered. And yeah. and for for women like me, for women like Bryn, I will hold on. I will fight for you. I will be. I mean. I can grip it and I'm like a pit bull when I get a hold of something. Like yeah. I will not be the last person to let go unless you take me out of this world. Like if I die, like that's it. That's the only way that you're getting let go before me. If I've made up my mind that this is it. So surrender for me is is not a weakness. It is the hardest thing that I continually, sometimes multiple times a day, have to do yeah. like, the same thing sometimes like i'll lay it down at the feet and then i'm walking out the door and it's in my hands again and i'm like oh shoot yeah. and i have to go lay it down again and then i pick it up again and i lay it down again and i pick it up and it's like i don't even it's a habit like taking control over my own life is such a deeply ingrained habit and so for me i think that would be more the question like did you surrender before this 
and and not at all. I surrendered what I felt like surrendering at the time. Oh yeah. But yeah. you know, uncommon obedience and following God, faith is is a fruit of that. It's not something that I even have the ability to produce mm-hmm. in my own life. Mm-hmm. When you talk about leading, because that's what this is about. This particular one's about leading with vulnerability. What do you mean when you say leading? Because certain people will get an image in their head of like a person in charge of something mm-hmm. or or in Bryn's case, like somebody who created something that they're they're at the top or they're at the top of. Like, what do you mean when you talk about leading? So uh, when I talk about leading, I'm, I'm defining from Brene's Daring to Lead, which my my work, where I work at, they had me facilitate Dare to Lead. There's like a workbook. They gave me the opportunity to do it. I'm not a high position in my job, so I was mm-hmm. super confused about why would you pick? I'm kind of the bottom. I'm not the bottom of the totem pole because they do believe in an inclusive work culture. I'm just not a position that would have done this. I'm not in a leadership position. Right. You're not what they would define as like, oh, well, this person has X position title, so they Correct. must be the leader. I, yes. I did not have the title to be facilitating. Um, but as I read the book, I saw it. She's all about culture, about building culture. I study culture. And the more I read the book, I was like... I mean, this is like mad props to my leadership team who picked me because they saw something in me that I didn't even know was there myself. Uh, And through this process, I really bloomed in that. And my definition of leadership changed. And Mm. what you describe, I think, is what our culture describes is the is management. It's managing. It's managing others. That's not leadership and managing are not the same thing. So for me, leadership is somebody who knows their values. And then, um, what does Brene call it? She calls it taking it, taking your values from like walking out your values from BS to behaviors. So mm-hmm. when you speak your values, I'm like, oh, you know, I believe in freedom and authenticity. Those are my values. If I say this and then I bridle myself to something like the opinion of someone else, like, well, they said that she didn't do good on the podcast. So I never do a podcast when you ask me again, even though I know God's telling me to do it and that I did the right thing and I spoke my truth that bridles me to somebody else's opinion. Yeah. And I, and in that moment, I quit walking in my truth. So for me, a leader is, it is somebody who knows their values, who can define their two values clearly and walks in those values, but can also define the values and the culture of, of the company you're working for or whatever you're doing. But then they walk it out. They lean into vulnerability. They lean into uncomfortable conversations. They take the time and invest the time in getting to know who they're working with and their values. And they try to integrate all that together and they have regular conversations where they give, they learn how to give constructive feedback and then they make time and space and make it a priority to do that. Mm-hmm. For me, that's leadership. Mm-hmm. Do you think everybody has the ability to be a leader or do you think that it, that there are people who can naturally do it? I think through Brene's studies that it is a teachable skill. Mm. Courage is a teachable skill. So ability, yeah, if you want to be one. I I think the way, depending on your values, the way you want to lead is different. If, if I'm offered a title within the city that puts me um, behind closed doors or takes me away from observing the culture of the city I work for, which is what I study, everything I love about my job goes with that behind that door because I'm, I'm not, I'm not made for that. Yeah. Um, but I, I think all of us, I think anybody who walks in their integrity, who walks out their values, you're a leader, you're leading because 
when someone, so I build these support hacks for our team. We, we went through this and I, we got to know everybody. So um, with, with my team, when we first did this, I defined the two values for each of the members on my team. Mm-hmm. And then we did, and then I did support hacks. So this is what support looks like for me. This is how you can show up for me. And so my support hack is, is if, if I'm struggling, if I'm having a hard time, if I'm having a bad day, the most supportive thing that you can do for me in that moment is to show up connected to your source, whether your source is God, whether your source is the universe, whether your source is whatever you call your source, fully connected to that and show up in that space. Because when you do that and when you're around people, like you talk about the shoulders and the Mm -hmm. tenseness, when you do that, your presence alone brings my awareness back to like, I like seeing somebody walking in their values, you notice it right away. And I notice my own walk. And also you're holding space for me by showing up in your own values for me to find my way back to mine, because you're not coming to me looking for anything and you're not coming to me to fix anything. So you're not coming trying to be like, um, Oh, here, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to make it better. I'm going to do better. And you're not coming being like, I need you to do this. Uh You're just showing up in your truth and that energy and that space you're holding for me in that moment. Uh When, when you know you, when you define you, and when you are walking in your truth, you are holding space for other people and, and they can show up however they need to be. Like when I went to go see Brandon Cody afterwards, I prayed and made sure I was connected with God. I was like, let me be whatever I need to be in this moment for them. And you show up because when you show up in that space, you're showing up without expectation and it gives me the freedom, no matter what you say to me in those moments, no matter how you react, no matter what you do. I know that I am just a vessel of love in that moment, but how I show up is not dependent on anything outside of me. I I always think of it as the socket. So we have plugins all over this room, right? Instead of showing up and like plugging into the different sockets and trying to get your energy from those sockets, for me, God is the sun. I have the ability to connect to the sun directly, which means I can feed you all day long or you can plug into me it's not going to deplete for me because I'm not getting my energy from a limited source. Mm. And also I'm not plugging into you because you are also a limited source. And it's an unrealistic expectation that you're going to feed me with all the energy that I need. You're a limited source. I'm a limited source. But when I'm plugged in and I show up in that space, I don't worry about my energy being drained or about needing to take from you or get something Mm -hmm. from you for it to be successful. I'm showing up connected and I'm just a vessel of love and I'm sowing those seeds but it is independent of outcome. So uh, this is a one-time only segment. It's called My Faves. Okay. You, obviously, Brene Brown is in your number one, but can you give some examples of, like, your favorite examples of, like, leadership both, you know, big time, what you see on screen with, like, Brene Brown and how she defines it, and then, like, even, you know, in real life, like, what you see, like, people you met, like, where you talk about Bryn being, like, a leader. Can you talk about some of your favorites? Yes, I'm um, Bryn. Obviously, one of my favorites. Um, <laughs> I love you. Obviously, it's like one of my top ones, just yeah. because of you know the way she leads with vulnerability and your willingness to show up and relive your story and the pain of that. Um, another favorite of mine is uh, Wayne Dyer, Doctor Wayne Dyer. Oh. He passed away now, but he I read his Wisdom of the Ages, changed my life. Oh. Um, also, the women at my work that um, are on my leadership team who would be. Like Suki, Pam, uh, Brooke, who is my new leader, Zuleika, who is my old leader. I we also have like an assistant city manager now, uh, Debbie. They're all 
just these phenomenal women who lead by example by walking in their truth and it's incredible. It's so inspiring to see women who, who we may not even share the same values, but when you're around women who walk out their truth and walk out their values, good or bad, like, mm-hmm. like it or not, it gives you the courage to show up and walk in your own truth or even the courage to sit with yourself and face your own truth. Yeah. Who else do I love? Maya Angelou is always going to be a big influence in my life. Her sure. words yeah. are just phenomenal woman, changed my life. Oh, my sister Amanda is... Yeah. I, so she opened up my love of reading, but she, or of writing and reading, really. She gave me my Angelo, but she walks out her values in life from the time I was very young when I didn't even know what it is. Like, she is the epitome of a woman, like a yeah. sacred, she knows the sacredness of, of being a woman in a, in a real, like, the epitome of what it is, and she walks in it, and it is her vulnerability and her beauty and her softness is her strength. And I'd never, I, I don't, you'd have, if you met her, they talk about when, um, mother Teresa would come in the room, like a piece would come over the room. Like the energy just shifts. That is my sister. Mm. Like she walks in to a room or I'm around her and it's like by osmosis, you're like this wiser, more yeah. sacred. I become more of a woman in her presence. Wow. Those are the kind of women, um, that, that I think are leaders for me. Yeah. It's usually women. I mean, Wayne Dyer is the exception, but yeah. for the most part, it's usually women because yeah. um, because I am a woman. I think there's an untapped into power in our softness and in our vulnerability mm-hmm. that we haven't even, we don't know. We're, yeah. we're not taught. It's not celebrated. Right. And so those are my leaders. Awesome. I think that I, that I definitely admire, but role models... I mean, this is going to sound so cliche, but Jesus really is. (laughs) I know. I'm like, oh, like it does. Jesus is your role model? I know. What? Jesus is my homie. No, I mean, really, as as far as modeling my behaviors, there's things in all of these women that I admire that that help me kind of, like, what is it about her that I love? Like, what is it about Brynn that I love so much? And, And... I know that's in me because you can't see in others what you don't possess in yourself. Mm -hmm. So what part of me is in there and like, how can I model that more in my life? Because I love it. I love the way she does this certain thing. And it's not that you want to be them. No, but you want to learn what it is that, because it's not, it's not like it, it's not a jealousy. It's you're impressed and you want to be like, what, how did you, like, how did you It's how I recognize, you know, it's, it's the, what do I say? I wrote it in my book. It's like this. It's the way it's the way their hips sway. The the women in my tribe. There's a walk of the women that have made yeah. it in the circle of my tribe. And the women in the arena, they walk and it, it's the way they walk in their integrity mm-hmm. and in their truth. And it doesn't mean that we have the same truth and we have the same values. And everybody's like, oh, you know, be with people who who have the same values as, as you. And I think that you lose a lot in that. Yeah. I think that I get it. I get what they're saying. I get where they're coming from. But if you have a tribe of people just in your values, my tribe, we all have different values. Like we don't have the same values, but it's what makes my tribe so powerful. It's yeah. what makes our arena one you do not want to step into yeah. and come yeah. in and fight us because we know our strengths. We own them. We walk in them. And it makes us more beautiful because of our differences, not because we're not all. It's not like a shame. Like you're not yeah. like me or you don't do this. It's we celebrate our differences and it makes us more powerful yeah. as a whole. I, uh, I had, um, so good. yeah, I had, uh, <laughs> I had a coworker and she was, she was younger. She was like about 25, 26 years old. And one of the things that I had the privilege of doing when, in, in my work was I was always surrounded by uh, male uh, 
like leaders, right? And mm-hmm. so you'd sit there and you'd pick their brain and they would be wide open to talking to you about this and that. And this is what I see and this is how I see. And you, just, you would just try and glean every little piece of information you could mm-hmm. as to how they were operating because you, you, you really, you wanted to be that. You wanted mm-hmm. to get some of those traits. And she lamented the idea, she lamented the fact that uh, men oftentimes seem to be able to mentor other men without feeling threatened more often than women do. Women sometimes are highly skeptical of each other. It's our culture. That's you know. one. I, there's a there's a shift in our culture right now that is so exciting to me to be a part of um, because I feel like the tide is turning. It It is a culture. I think that there's been a fear of women in power historically from yeah. ancient times. It's always been a submission of women because it's the fear of the power of a woman. And there's a tide in her. There's a shift in the tide and it's been women against women and it's been pitted. Like right. it's a competition thing. Like you only got one slot. So I got exactly. a week. We all go to go So it's always slot. a competition. Like, well, she's better. She's better. She's better. And there's an awakening in our culture and a shift that, that I see. I see the tide turning. And real women for me are women empowering women and celebrating each other. And when you're the woman that doesn't participate in that gossip or doesn't participate or they're talking about somebody else and you say, actually, I love that she does that or that's amazing. That that's the woman that I want to be in. It, uh-huh. It's about not participating in that. And it's it's a bonding. Brene talks about it. The yeah. gossip culture is a bonding. It's how it's how we were taught. And it's being intentional about changing that culture. Yeah. And it's happening now. It's it's starting to become you know, I'm not going to bash on her because she's different or women in swimsuits are like, I can't believe she's wearing that. And I'm like, yes, queen. Yes. Own that. Like, I love that you showed up in that. It is a hundred yeah. degrees outside. I'm sitting here with a throw over me because I don't want some like stretch mark showing. And you're out here just owning every piece. And I bet you are 100% more comfortable than I am in this moment. And it gives other women the courage to like strip off that swimsuit cover. Like who cares? And why are you even worried about what she's wearing or what she looks like in it? Yeah. She's swimming right now. She's getting her hair wet. She's getting her makeup everywhere. She's not perfect, but you know what? She's celebrating her life in this day and she's living her life. And you are the critic in the stands right now, judging it. And she's in the arena living it. And mm-hmm. it's like, I think she's more my tribe than you are. So I'm going to bounce. I'm <laughs> about to go swim with her. Like, like, there you that's go. my people. Thank there you. you. Go. So, like all the, all the ladies listening right now are like, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> awesome. it's true. I kind of want to play on that socket theory a little bit because when do you think there comes a point? Because obviously there's people who rec- like who require a lot of energy, a lot of energy or need energy from others, especially in moments like right after you lose somebody, you need energy from other people. It's how it's how you it's it is how in those moments you're able to get by. And, and then the people closest to you, the ones who you end up trusting are the ones who give you some of their energy. Mm-hmm. We've all had those relationships where we've got draining people yeah so when do you see when when do you see that point where how does somebody recognize like oh man i'm giving this person way more energy than than i either should or or they're just taking from me and and like it's draining mine how do you how do you how do you recognize that and then how do you how do you how do you fix that so i know on my list here there was tiffany gives a quote that helped her yeah it is um, Socrates, know thyself. That's it. You got to know yourself. You have to know, you got to know yourself to know how others are affecting you. Um, when you know yourself, when you're connected to source and that, that only comes from spending time with your source, you know what it feels like. I know what it feels like when I'm aligned with my maker, when mm-hmm. I am walking in my truth, the more I abide, which endurance, I'm like, 
selling out my book right now, like all my stuff. <laughs> but endurance in the Greek literally means to abide under. It's not, it's not a one and done. It's not like, oh, I know God now and I'm totally charged up and I'm, I'm always forever going to be this powerhouse. It's yeah. not. Yeah. Abiding under means I spend my days connected to source, abiding under. But the more time you spend in that place with yourself, in, in the truest version of yourself, which is as unique as everybody is. Like, I can't tell you what your truth is. And I can't tell you when that moment is for you mm-hmm. because I could never be in that place. But it is taking time with your maker, knowing what that feels like, like when you're connected, when you're aligned. And the more time you spend there, the quicker you catch it when you're out of it. Mm-hmm. And when you get out of it and you catch it, you evaluate in those moments. It's moment to moment. It's not a, It's not a one answer fix. It's like, it's I've evolving. stepped out of, yeah, it's it's cultivation. And it seems like it could take a while. Like you yeah. have people who take energy, take energy, take energy, and it takes a while until you get to a point where you're like, wow, you sure are plugged in all the time to me. <laughs> like, yeah, no like, and it seems like you're not getting any power from anywhere else. Well, and I think too, um, you know, when I was younger, I couldn't, I wouldn't necessarily catch on to yeah. those relationships, maybe not being the healthiest right. or, um, and I think, like Tiffany said, like the more you're connected and you're finding out your truth and you're evolving as a person, now I can recognize unhealthy relationships so quickly. Really? Or somebody that won't be a good person for me to be around yeah. all the time. Yeah. So, um, and then having those hard conversations where maybe maybe you don't even let it get to the point where you have to have a hard conversation with somebody, but um, if somebody's draining your energy and you know, you, you should be able to start picking up on those signs of like how you feel after you spend time with, with certain people. And if they're not aligned with your values, like Tiffany's, you know, talking all about your values, which makes me want to like actually do one of Brene Brown's quizzes because I'm like, wow, we can only have two? Brand. I'm like a lot. So I guess I don't have any. <laughs> I mean, yeah. now I'm like But most people don't. But most people don't. Yeah. Well, yeah, I just, I, I've never thought about it like that. So I think... It's really just um, wanting to be better and like eye-opening for me. Every time I hear you talk, it's so eye-opening. I'm like, wow, I've never thought about it that way, mm-hmm. you know. And you're opening up just such a a whole different perspective yeah. than I think a lot of people can even so think about. This totally ties into what you're saying as far as identifying the people. When you identify your values, and that that's why I say it's the most powerful thing I've done. When you can identify your values. It, it becomes the North Star you hold things up to. So like, hmm, this sucks my energy. And it's the light you hold up your relationships to, your choices, your decisions. But the the gift of loss for me was, mm-hmm. I think people who've lost anybody, we have a completely different understanding of the preciousness of time. Like it is the only non-renewable right. resource. You cannot get it back. You cannot exchange it. And when I lost my daddy, I would say when I woke up, after after the year of which the year was important too it's all a part of the journey but when i woke up i got real real picky about the things i spent my time on because i realized that at any moment they're going to be gone or i'm going to be gone and yeah. it's it's real in a different way that you can't explain to people who have not faced loss i don't think right but I got real picky about my time, and then I became real picky about my purpose and what I did with that time. And, and who you spent your time with. And who with. you spent your time with. But when you define your values, it's like you know what your 
where, where your time needs to be going, mm-hmm. you have something to align it with. And honestly, if it does not align with my values, if it does, if it takes me out of that path, and, and I'm not even saying align that it feeds, but if I am in any situation where I feel trapped, I, I immediately stop and I'm like, I look at it. Like I try to like reinspect it. Right, like right, I yeah. look at it and I, I think you have to do it in the moment. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and you, but you know it. Like the more you walk in your values, but it is also it it gives purpose to your time, and you feel you know we have this busyness in our culture. It's it's a culture of being busy. I'm so busy. I'm so busy. Yeah. You can be busy all day long, but at the end of the day, you feel like you're not doing anything. Right. When you define your values and you start making decisions based on those values, you may still have busy days, but at the end of the day, there is a fulfillment. In, in your day, in your choices, in the things that you've made and in honoring yourself in those choices. And you yeah. know that you're in line with the purpose of who you are. And if the way you show up is different, the way you live your life and the way you spend your energy, it your values, my values, I shouldn't say your, my values have brought an intentionality to my life in a way that I cannot emphasize enough that is worth a whole week deep dive into finding those. Sure. Because- it is. It's everything yeah. for me, like knowing those and operating from those. It saves me so much energy and it puts actual actual productivity to the energy I am spending. It's not just like I'm just like radiating out everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm, I'm not spending energy. My busyness is on purpose. Mm-hmm. My, my pain is on purpose. My life is on purpose. And there's value in the things I'm putting energy into now. Yeah. So is it as simple as... Like getting to a point with a person who might be toxic or who might be draining your energy and just always hitting decline on the phone and just no longer. How, how do you how do you how do you get to like that action where you say this person's not doing me any good? Uh, I don't think I want to be around them anymore. Because that's the first that's step one. A lot of people can't even get to step one. A lot of people let themselves get taken advantage of or run over or those sort of things mm-hmm. by toxic people for years and years and years, and then they never do anything about it. That step one is realizing, oh, man, you know, like, I don't know that I was completely vulnerable to this person. I was truthful with this person, and they didn't give me, they didn't give it back to me. I don't know if I want them around anymore. Is it as simple as just being like, that, that person's got to go? So for me, um, <laughs> it 100% depends on the person. Mm-hmm. There are people in my life who I love and I just know um, they're not on the path or they're in the woods or they're just not there yet. And that's okay. And they're worth the time of that conversation of like, look, I love you. Um, but can I put you in check? <laughs> no, not even in check, but like, yeah. I love you. But I've I've shared truth with you. You've chosen not to act on it, which is okay. It's their life. You know, there has to right. be that letting go of it. But at this point, um, it's just, you know, however you say it lovingly, like, I love you, but I'm, like, leaving you with light and you're just not going to be a part of my life. There are other people where my energy is better used, invested towards my purpose than having that conversation. Like, it's just, it's the value of the person in my life yeah. at that point. And if the if the time is worth it, because like I said, for me, time is the biggest thing. It's like, is it worth the time to have this conversation? And then I go from there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Like what, the energy I'm going to spin towards it. Yeah. How about you? Is it is it as simple as, oh, I can't. Like Tiffany said, I think it depends on the relationship yeah. and the person. And I think it's been different throughout my whole timeline of grief. Yeah. Because before I lost Rowan, um, I had a very... 
I had no tolerance for bullshit. Like, I've always been a no bullshit person, but I don't think I was, um, (laughs) I guess, in a place where I would witness or I guess even realize I may have been in not along with my soul's purpose or toxic relationships. I was just a busybody, you know, in my 20s having, like, the grandest time out having cocktails in the yeah. in twenty. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. So I think you yeah. definitely change and evolve as we grow as people, and um, especially after you experience loss, I think, I think you feel hopeless and you do feel boxed in, and you feel like life is never going to evolve and yep. never going to get better. Yes, the broken is perfect. You're broken. You're broken. You're a broken, broken human, mm-hmm. and you're just like a you know little being mm-hmm. down here, just feeling lost. Yeah. Don't give up hope people because don't let other people write your story either don't let other people tell you like you're broken or get caught up in that like you know it's the awareness of owning your truth owning your story and when you do that you take the power to write it from there like i'm gonna just define who i am from this i'm gonna define where i go from here if you keep broken you're letting other people write your story and tell you who you are or who you think they think you are and like who cares right well, that's one thing that I have learned over the last year in interviewing so many people who've come through this experience. We are so elastic. Like, we can go for, we can be pulled a long ways to, to the point where we feel like we are at a breaking point. Mm-hmm. And the amount of people who have come in here or we have talked to who you, you hear their story and you'll be like, wow, that would be my breaking point. Mm-hmm. And for them to be able to still sit there five years later or six years later having created something in the case of Ayanna Brown, for example, having created something that uh, is like a beauty out of something super dark. It just shows you how like you can just, you can keep going. Like there you're, you are elastic. You are able to like bend and and, and not come back to the way you were. Right. But like you're different now, Mm -hmm. but it's okay. I love how you say elastic because Brene says that's how she identifies people in the arena. If I don't see stretch marks on your heart, you don't get an opinion in my life. And that's what it is. It's the stretching of the heart. If I don't see that on you, I know you're not in the arena. And in the capacity, I think that I've realized in the grief is, your capacity for pain and that stretching also becomes the capacity that God can fill you with joy. And you will know joys you've never known. The deeper your despair, the deeper the hurt, the bigger the pain, the bigger the void, God will fill that with joys you've never known. And and it it goes both ways. He expands you, he fills you. He expands you, he fills you. Um, So as dark as it's been, that is how much room light is going to shine into your life. And there will be joys you can't, I mean, I'm pretty good with words. I'm getting better, but I can't. You can't even write them. You can't speak them. They're beyond the comprehension. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. I have one more question, uh, and it is about, um, it's about failure. Okay. Uh, and the thing, the thing I have found for lots of folks, myself included, that brings you the most uh, exposing vulnerability, the real stuff that makes you like, ugh, is a sense of failure. You fail at something or you feel like a failure at something or mm-hmm. something didn't do what you wanted it mm-hmm. to do. Uh, I'm sure, first of all, there were probably feelings, even for you, Bryn, when it came, when it came to Rowan, you and I have been wide open and talking about that. The idea like, well, if I could have done this, if I could have done that, if I could have done that. That is almost a little bit of a sting of like, well, I failed there and I failed there and I failed there. Uh, how do you get over that? How do you try and fight through the <laughs> sense of like, I failed at that and not just beat yourself up 
for a long period of time mm-hmm. uh, because there, there's a there's a window of time where beating yourself up over something is okay, and then beyond that, like it goes from being introspective and and trying to fix it mm-hmm. and like recognizing well this is what I could have done different mm-hmm. to being unhealthy right to where you're like well now you're just beating yourself here. up yes I know I know <laughs> that <laughs> now you're just well. yeah now you're just beating yourself up there's no reason to do that anymore mm-hmm. so where do you think like I mean, where do you think vulnerability and failure come into play with each other? They're, they're, they're integral to each other. You cannot separate them. The thing is, you're going to fail, period. Like, if you're in the arena, it's always going to hurt. It's always going to suck. It, it never becomes less painful. The more you're vulnerable, the more you put your heart out there, the more you expose yourself, the harder it hurts when you fall. It's going to hurt every time when you go down. You're going to bleed. It's going to hurt. It's not... The women in my arena, the women I've surrounded myself, the women that I filter, other women coming into my tribe uh, that, that I, it's not a comparison, but that I gauge them towards are the women who get back up. Mm-hmm. But you also have to be, it's, it's the Theodore Roosevelt. It's the quote, you know, it's at least you failed daring greatly. The women in my tribe, mm-hmm. we do fail over and over. I fail over and over again. It doesn't not hurt. Ever. Uh-huh. It never. It's always scary. It, it continues to be scary. The more you're vulnerable, the more scarier it is and the worse it hurts when you fail. Yeah. But it's not the amount of times you fail. It's getting back up. And at least at least when we fail, like they say, we fail daring greatly and we're trying. And every day of the week, I will be the woman that hits face first, scratches up my face, jumping for the flag over being the person in the stands judging how I'm jumping because I'm living my life. I'm doing something with my time and I'm trying. And the women next to me are trying. And even if they fail and even if they fall, they did it daring to to show up. They're showing up for their life. I'm showing up for my life. And, and you're going to fail. It's yeah. not, it's, you can't avoid it if yeah. you're going to be in the arena. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, there you go. 100%. <laughs> Brent follows it up, 100%. <laughs> I don't need to talk this podcast. Yeah, this yeah. is pretty great. <laughs> That's awesome. You got some people right now probably listening, like, ready to run through a brick wall. So this was great. Yeah. Oh, this was awesome. Great. Well, uh, the awesome conversation. Tiffany, thank you so much thank for hopping on the podcast. This Thanks. is really cool. Uh, and, you know, I think a ton of people will get a lot out of this and I hope that they recognize that they can they can be vulnerable and and in that also be courageous. So thanks a lot for coming. Yeah, yeah. happy to be here. Thanks for having thanks, me. Too. <laughs> All right, and that was the second part of our interview with Tiffany Evans. We want to thank Tiffany for coming on. Really, thank you, Tiffany, for coming on. It was a pleasure to meet you, get to know you, uh, and she's a huge fan. Of Bryn Johnson. A I, huge I, I fan. Mean, oh my gosh, I was like getting emotional. You're her number one leader. I, I can't even believe it. Well, that she's like so my cool. number one leader. That's Are you so kidding? Cool. That's who I go to for help. So cool. So cool. Wow. I mean, the I love fest in have... here was just something else. <laughs> I feel proud to have a woman like that in my corner because, I mean, I think people, like good, true friends like that yeah. and a sisterhood, that's hard yeah. to find, you yeah. know? And well, we hit on it a little bit. That whole yeah. idea that I think sometimes like... Uh, especially females in certain positions get threatened a, a lot mm-hmm. by other females. And uh, 
And it's unfortunate because I think that the, that, that, um, the more that y- you get a chance to be there for each other and talk to each other and mentor each other, the better it is for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, so that was pretty cool. And uh, she brought up having hard conversations. Yeah. I like that because I think you find out who's in your circle when you have those hard conversations. Yeah. You know, who really is somebody that's in your arena with you. Right. And sometimes it takes those hard conversations to figure that out. Yeah. And it might suck. Yeah, and like well, she said, she said that sometimes you don't want to waste the time to have a conversation. If the relationship doesn't mean enough to you, you know, don't waste your time having the hard conversation. But if it's yeah. somebody that's really valuable to you and you, you know, love them and maybe don't want to just write them off, you know, have those hard conversations to figure out those people that are in the arena with you, yeah. facing your grief um, and walking, walking the steps with you. Yeah, yeah. It, She's great. Really cool. Really cool. Great, very as cool. As you guys lady. know, I just love her. I adore her. She's, yeah. um, I loved her dad as well. Uh, definitely a very powerful man in my life. Yeah. A huge rock, huge support system for me in my wild younger years. Yeah. Yeah. And um, he always accepted me for me. Mm-hmm. So we didn't get to talk a little about that that much, but her daddy, Tim Evans, was just a really amazing man. And um, yeah. Very cool. I'm glad that he brought us together. And I'm yeah. glad that even after all this time, we're still so close, like a sisterhood. Really cool. Yeah. I mean, it's really cool. I, those gen, those genuine bonds are just so hard to find. It's mm-hmm. really neat. Um, we will be, of course, continuing a podcast throughout the rest of the year. We're closing out the year. We'll have a couple things for everyone. We, um, we will have the buy a book for angel siblings that's yeah. still going on right now so folks can donate to that or you know if you're if you're one of the angel if you're one of the angel families out there listening to this um make sure to go to the site because you can actually uh register your uh angel siblings so that they can get books at christmas time we want to make sure that they're recognized for we want to mail the, you the book we want to right. mail you your handcrafted ornament in honor of your angel, angel child that's so right. please 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 if you have moved make sure to Send us an email right. with your current um, mailing address because yeah. we do get a lot of cards returned and we want to make sure we're sending you um, the cards on your angel anniversary yep. and holiday cards and your ornament. So please yeah. update yeah. your addresses with us. Absolutely. So we want to thank everybody for listening to these two super motivational podcasts. We hope you got something out of them and we'll talk to you next week with some more content.